0: Hello and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. And obviously this intro is not pre-recorded. I am Lindsay Baroker, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Joe Lalo. And I'm Andrea Pearson. (laughs) We're recording at night instead of during the day, so any awkwardness... Let's chalk it up to that, but um, I think we're going to have some good information for you guys today. We're going to be kind of doing a deep dive on pre-orders and discuss when they make sense and when they don't, how long they should be, and why that is platform dependent, and some of the pitfalls you'll want to consider. You'll see that um, there's no kind of one-size-fits-all with this, and it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Um, And in addition to giving our thoughts on them, we're going to do an overview at the beginning. We had a ton of great uh, pre-order questions from the Facebook group, so we'll be going over those in the second half of the discussion. And actually, we had so many questions, <laughs> we may end up doing a part two, we'll, we'll just see how it goes. Um, but if we weren't able to get to your question, hopefully we will still answer it, uh, basically the gist of it. Before we jump into our pre-order deep dive, would you guys like to share any news that you might have?
1: Sure. Um, first off, uh, so I don't know if Amazon changed their um, error notification stuff on, on typos that they might find in your books. But I noticed that I wasn't the only one. Uh, a, a number of people have been going through to, to correct typos. And it turns out I had over 500, which is odd because the last time I checked that system, it was like nine. So uh, most of them were not errors. Well, a lot of them were not errors. A lot of them were people who were either disagreeing with word choice or getting things wrong that I got right. The most glaring one was it's ITS versus IT apostrophe S. I had one reader who had them backwards and corrected all of the times that I had them correct. So whatever, went through, fixed, it's fine it's very fast. It's a, a process, but that was fun. That was a, that was a sort of a two, two day divergence from my expected behaviors. Uh, I've also been writing some short stories and refilling the pipeline for Patreon and I'm going to try out some stuff. I've had a lot of back burner projects that haven't, like, I don't know when I'm going to release them. And some of them are polished up. Like I've got, a, I've got at least two full length novels that are polished up, but don't have any place in my launch uh, window. So I'm going to probably do some preview stuff in my uh, in my Patreon. There's only a couple, you know, dozen people in there. A couple dozen people in there. So it's not as though it's going to eat into my launch if I ever release these things. And I've also been buttoning up FreeWrench Six, which still doesn't have a title, but it's a, it's going to go the editor in a couple of weeks. Uh, and I am starting on Big Sigma Six. So with any luck, I will succeed at that whole year of six thing that I've been working on. That's my news.
2: You will succeed. I you will. will. Succeed. <laughs> um, as for me, um, Nolan, my mi esposo and co-writer, I don't know why I can't just say my husband. It just feels weird sometimes. Um, uh, he's passed off Sable Heart to me, which is the fifth book in my Midnight Chronicles. And after three weeks, which to me feels like a really long break from writing and revising, I've started digging in again. It feels really good. Though this week's been really interesting. I've had a couple health issues that I've lamented to Joe and Lindsay about crop up. And so the doctor's been doing a whole bunch of tests. And one of the things he made me do was take this thing that just totally knocked me out for like two days, almost straight. And, um, it, I was just like falling asleep on the couch instead of editing and that was not, that didn't feel very good, but that's finally leaving my system now. And so, um, and so I'm going to be getting back into revising again after just starting revising. I just want to write people. I just want to be an author. Um, so yeah, the baby also has gone from two naps a day to one, which is glorious because that gives me larger chunks of time where I don't have to be, you know, like getting him ready for something. So getting ready him ready for food or a or nap or something like that. And then he also sleeps longer. So that's nice. I really appreciate that. Um, and let's see what else is there. We still haven't decided if we want to make this series seven books or six. Uh, I'll find out as I'm editing and revising this current book. But also for those of you who are interested, uh, my course discount is still live. You go to selfpublisheddrawncourses.com and enter the word colon to get 50% off. And I can't even say that without smiling. Dang it. Um, listen to the interview with me, which was like, what, two week, three weeks ago to find out why I'm talking about colons. It's not grammar. <laughs> I was just going to
0: try to bail you out and say like a semicolon, it's colon. It's, why.
2: I have no shame, Lindsay. <laughs> um, anyway, I did have somebody ask on Facebook if I plan to, um, uh, when a, when a course gets outdated, if I plan to go back and fix them and update them and things like that. And I've actually talked to, I mean, Lindsay and I have talked and Joe, we were talking about that. What was like four months ago or three months ago or something like what might maybe it was less time than that. The, this whole quarantine thing is just totally skewing time. Um But it's just, um, Um, And so my my decisions there were, do I want to put out a course and then redo it, like revise it and update it and everything for people who've already taken the course? Or do I want to leave it and not revisit it? Or do I want to revisit and publish as a new course? And I've decided that I'm going to revisit and publish as new courses because my courses are so cheap and most people buy them at 50% off anyway. And so a $25 course, I'm making what $20 off of that. And it costs a lot more than $20 to get them updated and things like that it takes a lot of time out of writing. Um, I still love doing them, though, and so I'll continue doing them. But I'm, but I've decided that when I, um, when I need to revisit a topic, I will mark the previous course as the first edition, and then I'll put in there that there's a new edition available. And for those who are inf- interested, they can go and download the new one. And I'll probably do. I mean, I'll continue doing course discounts and things like that. So keep listening to the podcast, and you'll hear about those. Um, but I just, I. Um, because the course is not one of those really, really big ones, it's not financially um, possible for me to um, fix current courses. If I were charging, say, six or seven, $800 for a course that was like 80 hours long, then it would definitely be worth it to do it because that's a big ticket item. But I mean, for a $12 course, a $5 course, I do have a $5 course, I just this is more of a service for me to everybody. And so I think that I will just make sure that my courses are um, money going in equals money going out for me. So I think that's everything. Lindsay, you can have your turn now.
0: (laughs) I was just sitting here thinking if we're going to record in the evenings, I'm going to have to get some better lighting for my office. (laughs) I'm kind of hunkered in the shadows here. All right, but hopefully nobody's actually watching the video, right, guys? Nobody. Go watch the video, everyone. Go watch the video. All right, for my own news, I just thought I'd share that um, I've been listening to Brandon Sanderson's Writing Science Fiction and Fantasy 2020 lectures on YouTube. He's basically got his whole course that he teaches at BYU I think he's in Utah too um up there so if you're at all interested in sci-fi and fantasy or even just he talked about uh, he's going through plotting and characters and outlining so even if you're not obviously uh he is a pretty successful author for those of you not in the genre who might not know him but um and it's it's good course so far it's it's Fairly basic, but it's very interesting hearing someone else else's like, this is how I do it. Um, something I always get asked is like, how do you do outlines? Do you want to show me your outline? And I horrifically, you know, cr- call on the corner and say, absolutely not. You don't want to see this mess. But he tells you what he does. So uh, an actual professor, I don't know what, what he is. Is he
2: a professor or like just a guy that comes in <laughs> and teaches um, that course? He's. I don't think he, I think he might be like an adjunct professor. I don't think he's like, he's not a full-time professor. And so whatever he is, I mean, he, when I was at BYU, he only had like one course available and of course it was full and only people who had like 200 credits could ever get in.
0: (laughs) All right, Well, it did seem popular, even though he has now shifted to doing it, I think from home with his parrot. I don't know. Maybe that was another video I saw where he had the parrot, but uh, definitely check it out if you're looking for um, just a, he's mostly traditionally published, but he's very open to the fact that there's two valid paths right now. So he, he talks to both. Uh, I actually came in at the end where he's talking about, this is what you do when you're ready to publish. So I'll put the link to that in the show notes, or you can just look it up on YouTube. All right, let's jump into the pre-order topic. Just as a bit of an overview, in case anybody has not tried these yet, because uh, in the olden days, we didn't have this option at all. And it's kind of gradually opened up more. And so we now pretty much have the same options as traditionally published uh, authors or traditional traditional publishers in our dashboard. We can set up a pre-order for up to 12 months in advance in most of the major stores and through the distributors also. Uh, Amazon, for a while, only did a three-month one, but they've now opened it up to 12 months. And you can also, it can be an asset list pre-order, which means you don't need the cover, you don't need the file. All you need is the blurb and all the data, metadata stuff that goes with it. So I, I do recommend having covers. I have done them without, and if it's like book four and a series that people are committed to, they'll order it anyway, but you're going to have a lot better luck if you have the cover. And... Um, Basically, you're still going to want to make sure that you give yourself plenty of time to get all the files. And I would recommend doing it a week before the launch. I think Amazon right now gives you four days, and I don't remember what it is on the other stores. I usually upload it with plenty of time because I don't want to, you know, because things do go wrong. Occasionally you hear horror stories of, well, it didn't, all my pre orders were canceled and the book's not even live on Amazon on the launch day because something went wrong. And I think that's pretty rare, but it can happen. So just get it in early if you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you, I'm going to go into kind of the pros and cons. Did you guys want any leave any comments on the overviews? Anything I'm forgetting that might be useful for people?
1: No, I think we're going to get into it pretty well in the uh, in the body of the uh, the episode.
0: All right, sounds good. I'm going to start out uh, just kind of reading. I made a list here, and I made (laughs) I made Andrea and Joe add to my list. I was like, question, question mark. You got any more? So, benefits of pre-orders. I'll go ahead and, and say mine first, and then the other guys will talk about theirs. First thing is that it allows you to start racking up sales long before the launch. And this is if you're wide and you're going to try to hit like USA Today or New York Times bestsellers list. Long pre-order is a huge advantage because all those sales are going to count on the week of the um, that the book launches, and you cannot uh, you can't hit any of these lists if you're exclusive with Amazon. You have to have at least two of the major bookstores reporting numbers. So if you shoot for like, and I think it has to be at least 500 sales on Barnes and Noble, so that can be sticky for people who are really Amazon centric. Um, and then you know usually people get the bulk from Amazon unless you just you know every now and then there are authors that do great on Apple, but uh, so, if you want to hit one of those lists, and you know, you—I don't know what you need these days for New York Times bestseller list, like twelve, fifteen thousand, maybe in a week. That's what I've heard. USA Today, if you can get over, sometimes you know, it changes week to week, obviously, because you're competing against everybody else. But like six, seven, eight thousand, you might get that top into the top one hundred and fifty is what they list on the USA Today site. So, something to think about there if that's a goal of yours. Uh, another benefit is you potentially have a big payday on release day if you're able to rack up a lot of pre-orders. I had one going for two months for my seventh Star Kingdom book that came out in April. And, you know, is I also had a Death Before Dragons book coming out that barely had any pre-orders because I basically just put it up four days early. So I would have the links and, and be able to promote it on time. And it's like, oh, boy, that's a really big difference in income there in one day if you do a, a pre-order and you get a sizable amount of orders so you can also lock in buyers while they're still excited about the last book this can be especially good if you've written book one and you've launched it and it's selling pretty well but you don't have book two ready one book is often not enough for readers to really remember you as an author and to remember to check back later and not everybody's going to sign up for your list that's just how it goes they not everybody's a newsletter person so if you can have the link to the pre-order of the next book in the back of the first book, that's a chance to get that order while readers are still excited about that, even though you may have not finished it yet. And um, another benefit, if, if you're wide, in some of the stores, the pre-orders actually do count towards your kind of release day ranking and give it a boost in visibility. Uh, I think Joe will probably talk about it. He's bigger in the Apple store than I am. So um, he or I don't even pay attention. <laughs> I mean, I actually make pretty decent money there, but i don 't tend to go looking for my books on launch day to see how they 're doing um, but uh, and then, and we 'll talk about this in the questions too Amazon, I do not believe you currently get a boost in visibility I believe they uh and this is somebody who launches almost every month. And I occasionally put in a new installment in an old series that's wide. So nothing's skewed by my Kindle Unlimited reads. Uh, I don't think currently that you get a boost from pre-orders on launch day on Amazon. They, The sales ranking, you get the big boost as the orders come in. I've certainly seen whenever they send out the new release alert, if it's a pre-order, you know, you might get... I got like 900 pre-orders on my first Death Before Dragons book when I was not ready to start building towards the launch and I got that big spike up to like hundred in the store off of that. And I was like, shoot, man, I wish I could have gotten that during launch week. But, um, so I, I believe right now based on my experience that you do not get boosts during uh, they don't all accumulate and help you on release day on Amazon. All right, next benefit is that it ensures the book goes live on the day you want in all the stores if you're wide. And, or, you know, it sure goes, it ensures on Amazon too that it goes live on the day you want. Because every now and then, you know, I've probably, you know, I've published a lot of books and I would say this has only happened maybe twice where it kind of gets hung for some reason. And, you know, almost all the time within a couple hours you see the AISN and pretty soon the link is there. But every now and then, you know, 24 hours pass and it's still in publishing. And I've heard people too, get question mark question on copyright and have to prove the copyright or something every now and then like if you had already published it on another website like on wattpad or something and then took it down that might be more often more frequently the case but you don't want the book not to go live on the day that you've you know you've got like news sponsorships on e news today or book uh, new release alerts going out so by at least doing a short pre-order you ensure that that i mean 99 percent right that it's not going to happen all right, the last benefit I'm going to list before handing it over to the guys so I can breathe and drink is that the guys, the guys, you are so a guy and I am so a guy. <laughs> guys in America <laughs> is neutral. <laughs> guys. Sound like a call
2: back to the old show, to the guys. <laughs> Sorry. Liz. You could be
0: the, you could be dudes. I agree. I don't know, I'm on the West Coast so we say dudes too. <laughs> dudes. <laughs> All right, and you can also if you do a pre-order And you're tinkering with like Amazon ads, especially the other ones too. But most likely you're going to mess with Amazon ads right now a little bit. And it allows you to start make a few ads, you know, try different ad copy and see what converts... Um, you know, and then when the release day comes, you can see like, oh, that those are the two that really outperformed the other ones and got the most uh, sales. So, that you know, and then you can shut off the other ones and maybe you've got two good ads that are already proven and ready to go right there on launch day. I will note that my experience with this, because I was trying, uh, since I was doing Urban Fantasy for the first time, I wanted to hopefully get... The, in the right also I uh, you guys have heard about my launch, and was just starting with that pre the Amazon alert two weeks early, it what didn't really go to plan, but it did allow me to start tinkering. I did note that with pre orders, the the ads didn't convert as well, and I think that's going to be true most of the time. I think you'll find that some people will pre order, especially your fans. So I was probably honestly it was my fans seeing that the books were there and ordering them. Um. But you'll still you can still get some conversion. So that will allow you to see which ones do the best and um tinker before it matters. Like maybe you're only spending a couple dollars a day at this stage and then you're planning to ramp it up to like fifty dollars a day during the launch week or whatever is in your budget. So then you know this is the ad that works. All right, passing it off to the guy, Joe, for the next couple. All
1: right. I I have a few, but um we mentioned actually in the previous episode, uh, if you're looking to do a book through ACX and you want the an audiobook through ACX and you want it to come out at the same time as the ebook and print release, you need it to be an Amazon system, and you can do that with a pre-order. So, uh, and because the pre-orders are now you know basically arbitrarily long, you can you can actually have a pre-order up long enough for an uh, audiobook to be produced. When it was a shorter pre-order, it was almost impossible to pull this off correctly. Um, and the other thing is, uh, even though a lot of them aren't super effective, pre-orders do make you eligible for certain promotional opportunities. Uh, specifically, uh, Pre- bookbub has got a pre-order, uh, announcement email. It's one of the only things, like, it's not a featured email. So there's no editorial process. You could just pay and it goes out to your people. We'll talk about it later. But, uh, so if you're looking to expand your, your, uh, promotional toolkit, to everything that's possibly available to you, pre-orders are necessary because there are pre-order specific promos.
2: Yeah, um, and did you say we, we were going to discuss BookBub's pre-order thingy in the future? Is that we said, Joe?
1: Well, uh, I have got notes law. on it somewhere down there. <laughs> we'll <laughs> okay. see how far we get.
2: Okay, because I was like, we could discuss that. That would lead to a whole half-hour discussion. That just that one right there. <laughs> um, okay, so pre-orders also, and these are these are mine. Um, um, if you can't tell by the fact that I'm talking now. <laughs> no, Lindsay actually typed up all of the answers for us and said, "Here you go, Joe, here you go, Andrea. <laughs> Just kidding. Um okay, so pre-orders give you a link to share with readers um, or to place at the end of a previous book. So you're capturing traffic. Um, you know, when somebody finishes one book, they can go and pre-order the next book even if it's not available. Um, yes. Um, okay, they help keep you accountable if deadlines are the best way for you to be productive. And that works really, really well for me. I usually will set up a pre-order after I finish writing the book right before it. And then um, we, we'll get into that in a little bit. Our our own um, schedule, the way we use pre-orders ourselves. Um, let's see. They help you keep things organized and they allow you to do some tedious work up front. Um, I hate putting in descriptions and I just, I hate the actual technical part of publishing like uh, categories and keywords and subtitles and series and number i just that's it's so tedious and i also hate uploading and uploading the cover the whole process is just really tedious and so pre-orders allow you to split that up a bit so you can get some of the tedious stuff out of the way so that if you're like on a time crunch it's already done you don't even need to think about it you just go finish uploading and i really like that um And then along that line, um, some authors, I've got some author friends who will set up a whole year of pre-orders at the start of the year, and then they go by that for the rest of the year. So it gives them a solid deadline to work towards. Um, That works really, really well if you have a very, very predictable schedule. Um, It doesn't work super well when you have babies and little kids, (laughs) as I've discovered this past year. (laughs) Um... Also, it gives you pre-orders. Give you a longer period of time to make money on a book before it becomes part of your backlog. And that's something that um, a lot of authors tend to do. They focus on the newest book most, and they don't. They generally neglect their backlog their backlist. They don't know exactly how to promote their backlist. And so, if you have a pre-order, it makes that book be more relevant to you for a longer period of time. Now, whether that's going to be a con in the end for you, I don't know. Um, so, but it does it. It gives you something to focus on for longer, which is which is definitely good. Um, and then it allows you to build hype easier. So it's a lot easier to get people excited when they can actually see that the book is on retailers currently. Um, and that's not absolutely necessary if you're releasing frequently and writing frequently. But for people who um, like me, who can only put out three or four books a year or even less, having a pre-order up gives you something to build topics and discussions around
0: that made me realize i have one more is if you are working on another series and your fans are going when are you going to write book eight in your star kingdom series just hypothetical your star kingdom series if you put the pre-order up you can say like hey it lets them know it's coming in september i i need to do that i've been hesitant because i haven't even started writing that yet and i will be starting soon but i I, i've been a little nervous about doing pre-orders when i'm not at least part way done with the book yet and i you know, I know everything's going along okay, especially with those later series books that can go a little longer. But we should mention too that Amazon used to be pretty draconian if you missed pre-order date and they would take away your privileges for a year, but they have lightened up. Um, they sent an email, I don't know, a couple months ago when all the COVID stuff started and it sounds like I haven't tested this myself. I'm very, if I put a pre-order up, I'm going to make that pre-order unless something really major happens. But um, I, it sounds like they're being more accommodating right now if things go wrong. And um, so you can basically email them if you need to move it out. But, you, you know, best best thing to do is just if you put a free order up, make the date. All right. So let's talk about some of the disadvantages because we're like we were saying we're and we'll talk about how we use them, like Andrea said. And there are different I do different things depending on the store, depending on what I'm trying to accomplish, whether it's a book one or a later book in a series, but before we go into that, some disadvantages are that you know, I said this when I talked about ads that sometimes some people are going to be less likely to buy a pre order because it doesn't, it's not instant gratification. They're like, oh, I can't get that for three months. I'm not interested. And it, I, your advertising dollars may be less effective because of that. I've actually, when I was getting ready to launch my first Urban Fantasy, I went and looked, you know, tried to find some authors that looked like they were kind of doing similar stuff. And I found one author that I just noticed that she had like six pre-orders up going you know for the rest of the year and I was like all right I'll target her and she was like the, I was like poaching her readers basically it was my best converting keyword was her name because I think people were landing on these pre-orders and going well can't order this oh we see what's down here in the ad carousel okay I'm going to get that one so just something to consider I personally wouldn't recommend doing a whole lot of advertising spend on pre-orders. You know, tinkering with it so that you have it nailed down when you release it is one thing, but I don't believe... They didn't, in my experience, I watched it, they didn't convert as well. The same ads converted better after the book was live. All right. Next on Amazon specifically, having the sales trickle in over months can dilute your launch juice because you're, there's fewer sales left to get during that kind of release time where you're trying to get a whole bunch of sales spread over the first couple of weeks in the hopes that you'll kind of tickle the Amazon algorithms, as they say, and that it might pick things up and help you sell things. You know, so we've talked about before how you want to not have it big burst all at once but also having it on sale for three months ahead of time may kind of weaken your launch just a little bit Uh, especially if you're doing a later book in the series and that's not going to tickle any algorithms anyway it's it's probably going to shoot up all your fans are going to buy it and then it's going to start dropping down so you have to consider that um and this is this one is one i haven't observed myself I, i don't spend a lot of time peeking in the popularity list. You kind of have to go digging for them on Amazon, but um, David Gogrin, who started doing some YouTube videos, you should check him out if you haven't already, uh, in a past talk he did on the popularity list, which is what fuels the recommendation engine basically. Uh, He mentioned that pre-orders don't seem to be counted or at least not weighted as equally to sales of active books, so you may not be getting as much visibility boost from pre-order sales. And um, I will go ahead and link to the video in which he talked about that it's a couple of years old but he also referenced it in a really recent video he did so may still be true and i i feel like that makes sense like amazon is because they know that books on sale are going to convert better than pre-orders so they may want to more likely push books that are available and can be purchased right now and that are going to convert well to their readers Alright, so the next thing, and I saw this really with my my series, is if the pre-order of the next book in the series is available, and we talked about how this can be an advantage because you can link to it in the back of the book. But that's probably going to be the one action that the reader does when they finish the current book, as opposed to, you know, maybe you're also asking for reviews, maybe you're hoping they'll sign up to your newsletter. Um, And I found that with the first three books in my series, I had them available, boom, 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 and I had the links, so they pre-ordered it. So people could like read book two, go right on and pre-order book three, and that's what they did. But I didn't have the cover art yet for four, and that was the beginning of the COVID stuff. So I didn't put that one up on pre-order, just, I didn't, you know, I wasn't quite sure I just said, all right, if you could just leave a review on this one, if you're enjoying the series and sign up for my mailing list. And boy, I got like, like book two had a hundred re- reviews at that point, And all of a sudden book three had 200 reviews. It was like, well, everybody left a review because they were excited and they weren't sure when book four was coming. So you kind of have to think about what you want your call to action to be at the back of the book. What's the most important thing? Is it getting reviews, which it may be during you know those first couple of weeks that you have the book on sale? Is it getting people onto your mailing list so you can sell every single book to them as it comes out? Or is it just getting them to the next book in the series? I'm not sure that's a disadvantage. It's just something to be aware of. That Usually you're only going to be able to get people to do one thing there. All right, moving on to Joe all
1: right now this one um if like one of the disadvantages that I've found, and it doesn't affect me so much anymore, but it did early on if you're pressed for time and you like especially say you're not a full- time author yet and this is this is filling up all of your spare time uh, a pre-order date is a deadline that has suddenly dropped on you. And it's not like uh, you know an editor might give you a deadline or anything like that, but this is a thing that is externally enforced, that is public, and that could be a source of enormous stress. Like I know that when I plan a trip, no matter how far out the trip, if it's six months in the future, the moment that I have like, oh, I got to go to that trip. It's a, just a thing that's in my brain taking up brain cycles. So if you're the kind of person who really stresses over deadlines, this is pretty much the hardest deadline that you can inflict upon yourself, and that might be a problem for you. Um, and there's also, as, as Lindsay mentioned I- in the past particularly, there have been penalties for failing to meet a pre-order deadline, and, and relatively severe ones if pre-orders are a part of your, of your launch strategy. So it could be a, a source of stress, and it, if that's a problem for you, be mindful of it. Uh, also, if you don't do assetless pre-orders, when there, there was a time when assetless pre-orders weren't available everywhere. So people who hadn't finished the book yet would put an incomplete version of the book or an unedited version of the book up and then replace it closer to the launch date. And there were horror stories of the unfinished version of the book being the version that everyone got. Uh, and, you know, Hopefully, nowadays, that's less of an issue, although, you know, as we were talking about earlier, we'll probably talk about later. Uh, there are still issues that float around with with the way pre-orders are fulfilled. So um, that's another thing that you've, you've got to be mindful of uh, if you're doing a pre-order. It's just it is another moving piece that can fail. So keep it in mind when you're making your, your pre-order decision. That, that's really it for me.
2: And I've actually, I actually had that happen to me. Um, Nook sent the wrong book out, and but I'd heard of it happening to other people, and so I put at the top something that said, "This is the unedited, unfinished version. If this happen, if you receive this instead of the final version, please contact the retailer where you purchased it." And um, I had a couple people message the retailer and me, and it got worked out. But I was like, "Thank goodness they did not read. Well, maybe they read it, but at least they knew it wasn't the final version." I mean. I, I don't, I, I would have read it just out of curiosity personally, but I really hope <laughs> that they did not. Um, okay, so for me, um, okay, I, I don't, it's kind of like almost all of the pros for a pre-order can potentially be a con, um, just depending on your circumstances and your situation. Because like Joe was saying, having a deadline is pretty stressful sometimes, and other times it's really beneficial. Um so price is a lot more uh, sensitive with a pre-order. A lot of readers are trained, especially for a first book in a series to, the, to pre-order something that's only at 99 cents or discounted. Um, that's not as common. I mean, that's not always the case of later books and series, but almost always with a first book in a series, people are just, um, and the reason for that is because so many people are aiming for lists. And so they do pre-orders at 99 cents. And so readers are, they know that that, you know, pre-orders are a, a lot are regularly 99 cents. Um, And then going along the lines of price, if you change the price of a pre-order at any point, um, what happens is, you could okay so this is what's happened to me i pre-ordered a book at 99 cents the book got launched at 4.99 and so i was charged 4.99 even though i pre-ordered it at 99 cents and they might have fixed that by now but if you change the price the price of the pre-order on launch day is what people will get charged and so you need to be very 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 careful with that and and be very conscientious don't change the price on a pre-order leave it the way it is the whole time because that made me really cranky i mean i wanted the book any Anyway, but I was like I felt like they'd I don't know I felt like screwed with because you know you you put it up for 99 cents and then right the last minute you know they charged 499 for it so just just be careful with that back to you Lindsay yeah I would hope that's something that's been fixed
0: since now because that seems like it'd be totally right for scammers to come along and tell 99 cents and then oh it's nineteen ninety nine the day before the release
2: Dang and, you know maybe I shouldn't say something maybe we could do that Lindsay
0: <laughs> well I actually two years ago the other way and if I'm gonna discount anything sometimes I'd like to um, I've just started doing this in the last year you know reward people who go out and pre-order the book or who are just following along and reading the books right as they, they come out and so I've done one where it's like it's usually it's four ninety nine for my later books and series and I was like if you get it during the pre-order it's two ninety nine, and that's still enough for me to get the 70% royalty and get a nice bonus on launch day um, but I think it's nice to reward the people who really follow you and faithfully buy your books um, because usually they can get kind of screwed because if you, we always are, after a year or two and the series it's not selling that well anymore. You're like, let me go see if I can get a book, Bob, and uh, you know, I'll drop the price. Maybe it was three ninety nine, and suddenly it's ninety nine cents. So, I'm trying to be conscious of that and make sure that every now and then they get some goodies too. All right, we are going to talk a little bit about how we use pre-orders in the past, and also what our strategies like now, and then we'll roll into the questions you guys gave us. I guess I'm starting off on this one, so I don't do many launches wide. Um, in all the stores at once because for the last three years or so I've mostly been doing uh, launches into Kindle Unlimited. And then later I take them out and kind of do a second launch when I go wide. But I do have some series that have always been wide. So like last year I did an eighth book in my Dragon Blood series, just kind of for fun as I was also uh, working on the spinoff series. I guess that was two years ago. Now actually the time guys, it's zipping along except in quarantine where it's been three years since March. But, um, So what I do is I'm doing the release wide for a later book in the series. I'll just put it up as soon as I have the cover art. I think I put that one up about three months ahead of time and just let the sales accumulate, let the readers know they can get it. I'm not usually thinking about, Oh, I want to get like extra launch day juice on Apple or Barnes and Noble. Like I said, I, I, It's not that I don't make money there, but I just, I don't even know how to, I have all the Apple things. I have the iPad, the iPhone, the Mac, and I I cannot navigate their store. I'm just like, uh, it's not just that I buy all my ebooks on Amazon. Sorry. Sorry, Apple. I have all your hardware though. Um, so I'm not worried too much about that, but it just, you know, it's that much more time. Uh, like Andrea said, you can start promoting it to your fans. If you were trying to get a, um, a lit hit a list, I don't think I've ever managed to get more than like five or 6,000 sale, uh, pre-orders. Like I've never been quite good in en- quite enough. And, and now that I'm launching on Amazon, obviously that's not even an option. So, um, my only time hitting lists have been with my box sets that BookBub has done, and they just happen to do quite well. Or I've been with some of the multi-author ones too, but I I don't even think you can still hit New York Times in the multi-author ones. I think they've kind of taken that option away, which is probably fair. Um, but that was a bit of a tangent. So um, that's how I do it, though. As soon as I have it on those stores, um, I'll put it up there. Um, and then on Amazon, it kind of depends. If it's like book eight in a series, I'm probably going to put it up at the same time. But if I had like if I was launching a new series wide, uh, you know maybe I'm making book one ninety nine cents to get as many people in there as I can. Or let's say I decide I I got to be on that USA Today list with a new series, you know then I would put it out you know on all those stores at once. I might still hold back a little bit, not really do as long of a pre order on Amazon. Um, it would depend if I was trying to hit a list, maybe I would. But um, these days when I'm launching a new book. Book one into Kindle Unlimited. I will do a short pre order. I did a little over two weeks on my first um, Death Before Dragons book. That's the Urban Fantasy. Uh, and that was basically so uh, what Joe was talking about, was so I could also upload the audio book at ACX. And I was trying to have that live go out, go live at the same time. And it went live three months later. That was kind of my horror story with ACX this spring. And I know a lot of people had that same horror story. Fortunately, they're faster again, but. Boy, that really kind of borked the... Uh, that's a word, right? Borked borked my audiobook strategy for that whole series. So I'm going to have to regroup and probably do a box set and launch that later as a new release. But uh, I diverge again. But um, if you do it a couple weeks early, you can then claim it on ACX, submit the audiobook and now they're faster, so hopefully you can get everything live at the same time. Uh, two weeks also gives you enough time to book promos. You know, usually over at, at a lot of the sponsorship sites, so some of them... You got to be farther out. Um, and what you can do if you don't want to do the longer pre order, especially on a book one and a new series, you're worried about diluting the launch. Which you, what I've done successfully is put the book up on Goodreads and, and use that, you know, put all the information up there and submit that link to, you know, some of the sites like Robin Reads, Book Barbarian, you got to be six, eight weeks out to get a slot. And I've successfully sent them that and said, you know, and they're going to look and make sure you've launched other books and you know you're reliable you might have had to buy promos with them before before they'll consider that but they've they've done that they've accepted that and then just when i got the amazon link up you know before the release a couple weeks i sent it to them and they're like okay everything went off without a hitch i will say because uh once you put that pre-order up you amazon may send out that new release alert to your followers they've been very It's hard to predict. Sometimes we're like right on the ball with that, like happened with me with Sinister Magic, where I didn't particularly want them to send it out. (laughs) Um, They were right on the ball and send it out early. And then they disappeared in like March and April. And now right as we record this in May, they're sending them out again. But that can dilute things because all your people might go out and buy it two weeks before the launch if you do that. So... I'm thinking I may go back down to maybe a one-week pre-order on standalones or book ones or anything where I'm kind of hoping for that stickiness, especially on Amazon, to attract uh, possibly new readers. So I don't get a repeat of that situation, but it's tough. There's, it seems like no matter what you plan to do during a launch, it's a, it won't go quite perfectly or according to plan. But um, you don't want to get something where you get like a big, you know, spike and then, you know, a dip because you can't keep that momentum up to the actual launch. So that was a bit rambly and (laughs) tangenty in there, but why don't you guys talk about what
2: you're doing with pre-orders now? Can I ask a quick question? Um, Do you know if, if Smashwords, was it Smashwords that had a 10 day period where you had to have it up for 10 days for pre-order before it was like, so you couldn't do like a three day pre-order. Was it, was it Smashwords that did that and have they changed that now?
0: I do not know. Joe actually might be more likely to know. When I've done Smashwords, because I still use them, um, like if my like my Dragonblood series I went through them to start with, and I, I found that if you break series through different distributors, they might not all get grouped together at the final destination. Um, so, but I always did it early, so I'm not sure what we'd have to check and see. Uh, how fast, you know, I, I say give it at least a week, but you could check when you're on there. Um, that's another one. They were one of the first ones that allowed the asset list pre-orders. So you don't necessarily have to have the book in hand. Joe, do you know that at all? What the...
1: I'm not sure, but I, I'll have the answer for that the next time. I'm not talking for a little while, but right, all right. now. I
0: was going to go Google. <laughs> Real-time go ahead, research,
1: everyone. Okay. Um, as for me, uh, my tactics with pre-orders are similar to Lindsay's wide tactics. Uh, in the past, I have done massive pre-orders, four to six months. Uh, uh, back when six months was the maximum on Smashwords. Uh, I didn't release as often back then. So having four to six months of being able to talk about a thing, like there were, there was a period early in my career when I didn't release a book for an entire year. But I was able to have about half of that time Uh, uh, lined up for what would eventually be the next book release. So it really helps me sort of keep busy talking to my, my fans and stuff about things. Uh, These days I've shortened that up quite a bit. Usually my, my pre-orders only last about a month because I've only done one sort of standalone slash new release in the past year or so, two years or so. Um, I have, diluting my day one sales wasn't really a concern because these were all, you know, book four, book five, book six in a series. So I didn't worry too much about uh, the long pre-order on Amazon being a problem. So I was just doing about a month of pre-order on all on all locations. Um, and yeah, like nowadays, I think I'm going to start moving to shorter pre-orders on Amazon and longer pre-orders elsewhere. Uh, I've also, uh, because I have been wide with everything, a lot of my pre-orders were uh, the, uh, longer on Smashwords to give me opportunities to do some some uh, promo stuff with other storefronts, uh, a- Apple, and I'll talk about that later too. But Apple had a couple of different opportunities that they would give you if you were on pre-order for a long period of time, and you sort of gave them a heads up about it. They could arrange some some love in their uh, storefront.
2: Um. So. When it comes to for me with pre-orders, um, I've done like the you know two-week pre-orders. Um, I've done uh, the longest I've done was like a six or eight or ten. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> it was a long, it was longer pre-order. Um, and then of course the mid length of three-month pre-orders. And my favorites are are two to three weeks. Um, I don't mind honestly. I don't mind the three-month schedule, um, but I've found that for me, I don't have the ability to the attention span or the time you know when with my home life to devote to longer pre-orders um and they actually they cause a little bit of stress for me because uh you know that whole i just i just feel like i need to constantly have pre-orders them coming in and long long dead runs make me nervous um and so it's just that pressure to make sure the rankings and everything And i know it's all everything's amazon's fault (laughs) um but um I that's that's for first and series books. For later books and series, it doesn't really bother me if they it'll it'll go for a while without pre-orders. Um, and as I've said before, I can I can always make money off of a book after it's been released, but it's a lot harder to make money for me on a book that is not currently um, not currently available. And actually, that's something that the other two have talked about. You know, pre-orders is harder to get people to commit uh, to buying a pre-order because it's not there. That knee-jerk purchase is not um is not there. Um but I do love the idea of catching readers while they're excited and so I almost always have something set up for the next book by the time the book previous book gets published. By that point I've you've, I've that book is the so the pre- previous book is already done um and I've already started writing the next book and so I have a good idea of whether I can get it finished in the next 3-6 months or not. Um so yeah, so that's what I usually do. And I'm not going to be doing that a whole lot anymore um, moving forward. I think I'll take a break from pre-orders just, just until um, things even out a little bit more for us. Um, but I do love the idea of having that link at the back of a previous book to catch excited readers. Uh, it's a great way to handle handle like promoting and things like that. You know that if they're interested, they'll pre-order. If they're not interested, possibly they will join your newsletter list. Um, and then you can tell them about it later. Um, anyway, so yeah, like I said, moving forward, I'm going to take a break from pre-orders. And as an up, as in response to something Lindsay was talking about earlier, um, I've had to push back the pre-order for Sable Heart twice, and I'm probably going to have to do it one more time. Um, just I just can't believe how much how much our life has been completely upended the last several months. I mean, our second baby had tons of health problems, lots and lots of health problems in the first six months of his year. Or of his life were really, really difficult. But they I mean I ever every baby's different, right? So, um I've got I was just checking while Lindsay was asking about I was talking about that. I'm like, I've got seventeen days to get this book finished. And I just barely started revising. I don't think I'm gonna get it finished on time, including my editor and editing. So I'll be emailing Amazon and I'll let you guys know how that goes. I'll be like, hey, can you guys please remove that? Um and then Joe go ahead and say what you put in chat.
1: Uh, Smashwords does indeed require uh, a a date at least 10 days in the future for pre-orders. And it makes sense because Smashwords is a distributor, so they have to review uh, and then distribute. So you you can't just put it up you know, the day before or else it won't get to the other stores.
2: Okay, that makes sense. And we are going to go ahead and move into questions now, listener questions. And if you have a question for us that you'd like us to answer on the show, uh, come join our Facebook group and we have a questions thread and then occasionally we do themed questions and this was a themed question for pre-orders. Scott asks, is it verified that pre-orders count at half value for rank boost on launch day? Heard that somewhere. Absolutely not. <laughs> Next no. Um,
0: so I, I, I've heard the same stuff in Facebook groups and most of the people, um, I don't want to say 100%, I know everything. Like Amazon doesn't tell us <laughs> what things count for. So it's all what we can deduce from our own books that we publish. And so that's what I'm basing this no on is the fact that first off, all the people I've seen saying it counts Towards you know gives you a boost like all those past orders on launch day are in Kindle Unlimited and I think just from looking at how my own books work because um you know a new Kindle Unlimited a new release after pre order comes out at like midnight local time for whoever ordered it so and it usually takes a few hours for sales ranking to update so when I pop on. Amazon at six or seven a.m. Uh, Pacific time, and I see like okay, I had four thousand pre-orders for my last book, and the ranking is bare, just starting to trickle upward because at this point I haven't mailed my list or announced anything on and you know on the social medias, so I'm like no because even if it was kind of let's say it was kind of for a tenth as much, four hundred orders would absolutely move you up from like whatever it was, fifteen hundred in the store, you would get a big bump from four hundred. You get a huge bump from four thousand um, because when I had nine. 100 like I said uh in, within 24 hours I shot all the way up to almost a like it was 102 or something in the store so um I don't think so I think what happens is that it just continue you know the sales Yay! You got them. They're, you get the money. You can see it on your KDP reports. But um, and then people start all you know the people that have big fan bases in KU as soon as it launches that day. Some of them are going to be there at midnight and they follow you and they start borrowing the book. And I think it's the borrows that are kicking in because these people. Let's say I got like four free pre-orders. I know a lot of people buy sell at least one to one, so they're getting four thousand borrows. You know, maybe not all in the this- day one, but you're getting a lot of borrows and every borrow counts for as much as a sale as far as the sales ranking goes right now. So, and I, I think that you need to see, for me to believe this is true, I would have to see authors not in KU releasing a book whether that's not a factor at all and kind of see like you know and you also have to have thousands of pre-orders really to kind of know because it just like a hundred eh, you know that's enough to move your sales ranking up but it's not quite as obvious and especially if you're only getting partial credit so um, my belief is no I'm always open to like see people's data I love the data crunchers out there um, just that, that's what I think right now is that it does not give a release day, and that's why we're so much talking about like you do, delete including your launch juice by getting a bunch of pre-orders and you have to decide on what your goals are. Does that matter? Do you just want the money in the bank? You know, if it's book eight in a series where people have to have read the first seven books, it, you know, does it even matter what once you launch at in the store? Um, if it's book eight in a standalone series, maybe that's a different thing. Like if you're doing romance and each one is a possible entry point in your series, you might have a lot more luck. You might really care a lot more about your sales ranking and, Tickling the algorithms. They like to be tickled. <laughs> so uh, I think that is my thoughts on that one. And like I said, I'm always open to the data, and Amazon's always changing. So it's very possible you may listen to this at some future date and they've changed things. But um, at this time, I, I don't believe that you get any kind of boost for those past sales. I think you get the boost as the sales come
1: in. Uh, I agree. <laughs> um, so, uh, I believe Andrea has nothing to add because that's what it says in the notes. So I'll go into the next question here. Next question is from uh, Timo. What kind of pre-order limited bonuses have you got good experience employing? And uh, I'll I'll say that I personally haven't done uh, that much in the way of pre-order bonuses, but for some of my books, I have done limited exclusivity with Apple. Like I've had, a, as I said, for for wide releases, I tend to have a longer pre-order. And when I had like a multi-month pre-order I gave Apple the book uh two weeks early and I ended up if you go to the the iBook store or I guess just Apple Books now. There's like a carousel at the top and there's all different genres and each genre has its own carousel. And they gave me the whole carousel thing, uh, for two weeks, which is very nice. And that was made possible because of the lengthy pre order and it was uh you know, I didn't do asset lists. I I had a complete book during the entire pre order so I was able to do that. Um that's it's worked out pretty well but that's really the only thing that i've uh i've i've done with pre-order bonus type stuff
2: and um these kinds of questions make me excited <laughs> um uh i've not been shy about using um download bonuses and things like that um i almost always do a bonus of some sort just because i don't know like i i like i don't know I think most authors will agree with this. We like spoiling our readers because when you treat your readers well, they want to come back and they want to help and they want to help you. Um and so I just I like giving them things. And so I brainstorm and I talk to my readers and I ask them, you know, um what kinds of things that they would like me to do for them. And even if only like a small percentage asks for it, like a word search thing or something like that, I try to supply that because I'm, it's not that much extra work on my part. You know, there's like word search generators and things like that. Um, but, um, I've made it so that. Uh, pre-orders available as soon as someone pre-orders and as soon as they send in their proof of of confirmation or their whatever proof of purchase and i've also made it so that they're only available once the book goes live and throughout throughout that first week um i like doing it where they are available as soon as somebody pre-orders because it helps them get a bit of an endorphin rush so they're like i bought something i get something right away for it so there's they don't have to wait that's that's one of the things about pre-orders is it takes away the um I don't know when people, you know, that happiness that comes when you spend money and you get something cool and you get it for a little while. Pre-ordering doesn't give you that, but giving them a bonus does, and so they get to spend money and they actually get something from it right away. And so that's that's helped a lot. Um, I do go in, more in depth into my in my courses on that. Um, um when it comes to actual, um, the actual types of bon- bonuses and things like that anything new written by me has been the best and um, other little things you know I just brainstorm things I ask my fans for ideas things like that and just whatever um, whatever I think they would like and whatever um, um, would get me to download you know everybody's different but and then again make sure those are digital And okay, so Tyler asks, is it a good idea to do a pre-order for your first book? And I'm guessing he's asking your very first book, not just a first in series. Oh, and I agree with Lindsay and Joe's answers below, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) All right,
0: well... My thought on this is that I have seen people actually get momentum and get sales in the store as a new author with the first book. Like, I think I'm actually going to. We had Jasmine Walt on the show, and I feel like this was something she did. This was probably a few years ago now when she was first getting started, but she had an amazing cover. You know, it just looked awesome. I think she had it at 99 cents, and she really got the momentum rolling with a pre order. That's pretty tough, especially if you don't have like uh, any newsletter swaps or anything lined up. If you're not real dialed in and into the networking and connected with the community to really get things rolling. Because as we've talked about, advertising may not be as effective uh, on a pre-order. So I would probably just do like a short one you know, like I said, so that you, you get it coming out on the day you want. And if you, you know, it, it can be hard to even get um, promotions on a new release, unless you have like a lot of the sites require that you have other books out with good reviews, because most of them will say like, you have to have a four point review average or something at least before they'll accept you. And they don't know that on a new release, if you're a new author, so they're probably going to say no. Um, an exception might be if you're, doing something every week that has allowed you to build a fan base already like let's say you're you're doing chapters on a blog or you're on patreon or maybe you're on wattpad and you've already got people and you want to like every time you put in a new chapter you want to try to get the order right there while they're excited about the story and thinking about it. And then you might want the pre-order then. And so you can link to it at the end of each new installment that you're putting up. So that might be an exception. I don't see many people that successfully do that, but it has happened. I've seen success stories where people build an audience ahead of time by posting on Wattpad, Patreon or their blog or all. <laughs> um, all right. That's all I have on that.
1: And, uh, I broadly agree, especially if you're doing Amazon exclusive, the, uh, the pre-order on the first book is, is of limited value. You might get, as Lindsay mentioned earlier, you might get some use out of the pre-order in terms of being able to practice and test out promotional stuff. But probably the, uh, the release spike on Amazon that you would get by not diluting your, your launch over a longer period of time is more valuable than, than what you would gain from that besides informationally if it's your your very first book i guess you don't have any experience in that so you get some practice and that might be good for you but unless you do really well doing it uh you're either going to spend a lot of money and not learn a lot or just generally speaking i think a shorter pre-order for your first book is smart uh the next question is from andrea neal if you're releasing a book in a series, how would you coordinate sales, sales slash promos for other books in the series? What if it's a new series or standalone? And uh, it just so happens this is basically what this entire year is for me. This is this is the year of six because I'm doing new releases in in six uh, three old series and I'm doing book six in each one. So what I've tried to do is uh, with with the first book six release which was uh, the coin of kenvard in the book of deacon series i had a two-week period where i did a staggered discount on my entire series except for the pre-order book one was already free and the rest of the books went up by a dollar per book until you got to the new one which was full price at uh, at 4.99 uh, i did advertising for the full series or just for the first book i did both i did carousel ads for uh, um for the full series. And that those carousel ads included the pre-order as the final entry on the, on the list. So it's one of the only times that I threw an actual paid pre-order in. Um, and then uh, I also directed people back to the first book, and it was reasonably successful. The, the actual pre-order count uh, for this most recent release was way down compared to prior books. But again, in prior years, I did much longer pre-orders for these, so there would be more time for the sales to accumulate. And also, the overall sales increase uh, in the series sort of made up for what I might have lost in the, uh, the larger pre-order number. And with smaller pre-orders, it means more of the people who want to buy the book bought it during the launch week. So it worked out pretty well. Overall, my income from that series bumped up by about 50% and the bump has lingered. Uh, I think I'm, as, as we're recording this, I think I'm still get, doing about 20% better on that whole series than I was prior to the new book release. So it worked out pretty well. Um, I believe it or not, again, we're talking about book six and three different series that I've released basically one book a year. And I've only got one series that released since pre-orders were an option <laughs> back. All, all, all the other books in this series sort of didn't have pre orders even available to me, so uh, I don't have a lot of uh, expertise when it comes to doing standalone pre-orders. Uh, the, the ones that I've done most recently have been short, but that's just been a general policy, not just for standalones and, and firsts. And uh, one of my new series recently, I didn't start playing with uh, the, the the urban fantasy series I did. is the only one that released when I had sort of pre-order from the inception of the series. And I didn't start messing with longer pre-orders and, and pre-order promotion stuff until the first book was already out. So I sort of, as said earlier, uh, early books in the series I try not to mess too much with pre-orders.
2: Okay. So um, for series books, there are a few ways you can take this. You can drop all books by a dollar the week of the release. Um, You could stagger promotions. So the first book discounted the first week, the second one discounted the second week, etc. You could stagger by a few days so the first one you know, discounted for a few days, and then a few days later, the next one, and then so on and so forth. forth. Um, you can discount the second one. So like have the first one be free, the second one 99 cents if it's regular, like $3.99 or $4.99. Or you could discount just the first one and the one getting released. Um, I recommend if you want to have a really big event, really big promotion, discounting the first one and then possibly releasing the later one at full price or discounting the later one and then leaving the ones in the middle at full price. Um, don't, I mean, depending on what you're aiming for, what your goal is, don't release the new one at full price if it's a later book in the series, or don't release it, sorry, at free if it's later in the series. Um, Mainly because your devoted readers will buy it regardless and it won't, it won't bother them to buy it because, I mean, it's awesome. It would be a cool bonus. You could do it for free and they would really appreciate that, but they're expecting to pay anyway and they want to. I mean, I've, I mean, readers like they want their authors to be taken care of. They really do. And that's, it's, it's very rare to come across a reader who's just like super, judgmental about authors charging for books most readers understand that authors need to make money too and they want to help you um my rule is no discounts on books that are less than six months old and usually not a year old um and so what i'll usually do is i'll have the first book be 99 cents that's technically a discount until the either the third book in the series or the last one comes out and usually i'll do the third one and the last one um actually it depends. Sometimes I just do the last one. And then I'll do a very, very big promotion as a celebration. And, you know, and that big promotion will be usually the first big promotion I do the, on the first book in the series. And so it usually generally leads to very nice royalties for quite a while. And my sell through on that usually is a lot higher than if I promoted the first or second book, or maybe even the third book. Usually I do those big, big events on the last book in the series. And then, um, and I usually will use like Facebook ads, Amazon ads, promotional websites, like the ones that have been mentioned, and Reading Dills and Book Cave and things like that.
0: All right, for myself... If it's a standalone book, I, I pretty much treat it like a new book one. Uh, I'm gonna do all the things we've been talking about here with the pre order, try to line up some ads, you know, of course promote to my list and my social media sites. I won't spend as much money. I actually I will do probably very little advertising. The last standalone book I put out was about a year and a half ago, Fractured Stars was um kind of in my fallen empire world, but all new characters. So it wasn't really like it was going to lead people into the rest of the series. And I think I put that one out at three ninety nine because I knew I wasn't going to discount it for a while. When I do a book one in like a, what's going to become a six or an eight book series, I tend to launch at 99 cents because I know I'm going to run promos on that down the road. And like I said, I don't like to make my most loyal fans who buy something on day one, pay a higher price, knowing I'm going to discount that, you know, like, Probably since I rapid release and I publish pretty quickly, by the time I'm maybe on book five, I think might drop it to 99 cents. Like I'll put it up to 2.99 or something. I think my Sinister Magics 2.99 right now, so that I can run sales on it later at 99 cents, or, and I might even do free on that book one uh, eventually. Like as I release the last book in the series, but like Andrew Andrew was saying, I, I don't like to do that early on. I prefer to do that stuff later on. I think people are more uh, forgiving of sales and discounts if it once it's become kind of a backlist title is more than a year old. So usually just promote that first book. Whenever I release a new book, um, But I am going to be releasing the eighth book and final book in my sci-fi series. And because I started another series at the same time, the releases have been slower for these last three books. So it's been over a year now since I did that series. So I feel like I can drop the prices a little bit more and nobody's going to bat an eye necessarily. So with that one, I had to put together a $9.99 books one through three box set earlier than I would have because I was trying to match it to the audio book that the publisher put out. And so that box has always been $9.99, but I'm going to go ahead and try. You know, it's in Amazon exclusive right now, but I'm going to try to get a BookBub on that probably in September when I release the eighth and final book in the series. And if I can, I'll drop it to 99 cents for a few days. So I, I don't usually discount the mid list, the middle books in the series. They're always just $4.99, uh, assuming they're full-length novels. But I, I would consider if I was full, t- uh, if I stayed in Kindle Unlimited and Amazon exclusive, and I had access to the countdown deals, and you know, if the series was like say two or three years old, and I'd moved on to something else, and it was all completed, I you know I would definitely consider doing some of the mid-list discounts uh, to newer reader to lure in newer newer, re- newer readers, also combining that with like trying to link to the series page on Amazon instead of just like here's book one, you know, like hey you can binge read this whole complete series right. Right now, Um, I think that was not actually the question she was asking about putting out a new book in the series, but it depends on your release schedule. If you're like Joe and you're working on the same series for, um, I don't know, Joe, when did you do like free wrench five, six years ago? And you just did a new book with Deacon. So you're not worrying about like people being mad about discounts on earlier books because they bought it like five years ago and are probably not paying attention. So those are my
2: rambling thoughts. We can go on to the next question. That question is by Sabrina. She says, how do you advertise pre-orders effectively?
0: Which I am apparently
2: answering first. So we've kind
0: of talked about this. I would not spend a whole lot of money advertising a pre-order to a stranger. Um, You know, maybe boosting posts on your Facebook page to, uh, to your own people, your own fans. Uh, an exception, maybe we talked about if you're trying to hit a list and you're willing to lose money to do so because that is usually how it works because you're usually doing... As an indie author, you're probably doing 99 cents and it's going to cost a lot to get those thousands of sales, uh, especially on a book one. Even if you're an established author a book one in a new series, you got to sell your fans on the series first. So I, you know, you might want to try to like do a prequel novella or something else, or, you know, some short story on your blog that you can have at the same time to get your new readers to sell them on the new series. Um, But I, I would be a little leery about spending a lot of money uh, other than just like I mentioned tinkering, you know, seeing which ad copy is most effective so that when day one comes, the release comes, you already got it nailed in, you already know which ad copy is converting best, which keywords are converting best if you're getting all into that stuff for Amazon ads or Facebook ads. Um, yeah, that's my thoughts. I would, I'd be very careful about spending a lot because I just don't feel that they convert well and my own numbers uh, back that up.
1: Uh, yep, I agree. Uh, I don't think I've done any advertising to a pre-order directly, very much advertising to a pre-order directly. Uh, my ads are always going back to the beginning of the series. However, uh, the exception is the aforementioned uh, BookBub pre-order email. And since we're at the hour and probably not going to answer too many more questions, I'll just quickly go over what that is since I sort of billboarded it earlier. Um, if you have at least a 1,000 followers on Uh, bookbub and people can follow you on bookbub if you don't know that then let people know because it helps uh you can do a a pre-order announcement email and it goes out to all of your followers and you don't have to qualify for it beyond having those thousand people you pay for it depending on how many people it goes out to and it's just an extra email in their email box uh, in addition to the featured daily email that they get and obviously this has more impact if you have more followers and it costs more if you have more followers But that is a thing that is only available for pre-orders, and it is something that I've done six times, I think. I've not had a huge uh, amount of success from it, but it's not nothing. And, uh, uh, you know, especially since there are so few effective ways to promote a pre-order, that's one way to do it.
0: I just... Um, Sorry, I think you have some thoughts on this too, but I was just going to say when I've done it, um, I haven't noticed any more... Then, when because you get a free one if you just email if you add your book to BookBub before the release, you get a free one during launch week to all that goes out to all your book bub followers. As of right now, maybe they'll change that right now, you know, eventually, and uh, start charging you for that. So, but if you were trying to make a list, that might be a time to to the book bub pre-order I, I paid for it i think with sinister magic is why the heck not i was i was throwing all kinds of money at my new urban fantasy series so i could not make any more money than on any of my previous other series Lesson slightly learned but hey the readers are enjoying it oh go ahead andrea
2: I I started reading it. I like it. So I haven't gotten as far as I'd like to because I'm not in a reading phase right now, but
0: (laughs) you were like sleeping and drooling on your couch the last two days. So (laughs) that will make it
2: less interesting possibly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I haven't ever done a book club pre-order alert thingy mainly because my clients, when they've done it, they haven't seen a huge benefit from it. So um, um, in answer to the question, um, what I'll usually do is frequently run a low grade Facebook ad to the pre-order book one in the series. It's mainly to get my also bots in line and to work out kinks in the system. So like description, I do tests, you know, to see which description works the best, see which book cover works the best, see which tagline works the best, things like that. Um, and that just helps me have things ready to go once the book gets launched. Um, but as we've said, the main reason to advertise a pre-order is really honestly is usually to try to hit a list and you need to spend a lot of money to do that. And I mean, even depending on the size of your readership, even if you have, I mean, I've got a couple author friends who, who in the romance genre, when they release a book and they do a pre-order their the size of their audience gets them on the list almost every single time. But the majority of authors, that's not the case. And you have to ask yourself, where is your money better spent? Um, And I would suggest it's probably not putting it towards a pre-order.
1: All right. Uh, Our next question is from Richard K. Fox. What approaches outside of the normal, which would be email list, increased ad spend on Amazon or Facebook, have worked for you? And Lindsay, you want to start us off?
0: Sure. I think I talked about this a little bit before, but um, I, I definitely will put up, like, teaser stuff. I did this with the new series. I wrote a uh, novelette. It ended up being about 10,000 words. So that is the official term. Although as I was writing it, I realized like the characters were at a point in their developing relationship. They start as enemies and then of course romance occurs later on. I realized I was kind of too far along the line with that. It was really something that took place after like book four. So this particular time I didn't put my bonus story up early. I had just recently put it up as I released book four. But, um, I did do an interview early on with one of the characters. And so if you can do some tie in stuff that would kind of get, you know, I think it's going to be hard to get strangers to buy in. You can give it a shot. If you've got a complete short story that you're putting on your blog or you're putting out somewhere that may work. Uh, but you know, your fans that you want to sell the new series to are probably the ones that are going to be most uh, likely to go oh oh yeah because I don't know about you guys but my fans want like more in the old series even though when I am said like this series is complete I have not written any new installments in four years they're like oh can't we have more books with that character which is cool I love that they care that much and they want more stories but I always feel like I'm, I'm gonna I gotta sell them a little bit I get them excited about the new series usually once they start reading they, they, they're on board but that's always my thought and i may be a little um i don't know i'm not sure paranoid is the word i just un- unconfident <laughs> that people will just automatically go over even though they many of them often do but so yeah the teasers short stories uh interviews with characters are something that don't take long to write and the fans seem to enjoy that stuff
1: yeah, I, I agree pretty much across the board. I've been working on a getting a backlog of short stuff, and character interviews are great. Character interviews are great for a couple of reasons. First off, because they're interesting and fun and short, uh, but also because you have to, like, you can ask for questions. And uh, if you're trying to build, uh, you know, Interactions with your readership you want you to have more activity on your Twitter or on your Facebook This is particularly good for Facebook uh, Then this is a thing where you do a post that requires people to comment on it and it's just starts conversations So definitely character interviews or anything like that is a really fun and useful thing to do Um, Other stuff that I've done if you can find a multi like if you are looking to promote something in a later in a series And you could find a multi-author collection of book ones those have been moderately helpful um I also I've worked with Story Bundle a lot in the past, and previously I've wanted to release books with Story Bundle because again I'm wide, so I, I like the idea of doing it. Like I felt as though it helped the bundle for something to be released in the bundle, and it's certainly true. But it it doesn't help me as much. It helps the bundle more, and I of course make more money if the bundle gets gets sold. But I've found that if you can find a way to include something later in the series in a bundle, uh, it sort of gets the word out about the later in the series thing, or really just using a bundle to promote other stuff that's outside the bundle. It's not tremendously impactful, but it's one of those rare promotional things that actually makes you money as opposed to costs you money. So if you can get together uh, and do a bundle only works if you're wide, by the way. And, um, Also, I should say, when you're doing like the multi-author collection or being in a bundle of any kind, that's also networking. And often, even if it costs money or if it doesn't make much money, you're the 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 networking with other authors and building your network is uh, easily worth the effort that gets put into it.
2: Um, and for me, my I, I want to talk a little bit about, just mention what my experience is with character interviews, but just my answer to the question is download bonuses again. Um, and then also, I like to do steady flow promotions for books outside of Kindle Limited and big promotions once a quarter for books in Kindle Limited. It's not necessarily out of the box, but honestly, it still works. So you test which websites work the best for your books and then use those and use them regularly once a quarter or one a month if you're out of outside of Kindle unlimited um, just keep using what works best for you and test things out until you find out what works best for you um, and then about character interviews the ones that I've had be the most successful have been when I've picked a quirky character from my series and had that person conduct the interview with the character the main character and it just it it showcases your writing I mean it kind of brings humor to the situation and just puts your main character in an awkward position, which also leads to fun interviews. So, you know, see if you can have the quirky character embarrass your character and just to see what happens. Um, My readers have enjoyed that. I haven't done a character interview in a while, but those are the ones that are my favorites to write, you know, when things get awkward. (laughs) If you can't tell, I don't mind awkward situations.
0: I always do them like I'm the journalist or I'm the author asking the questions. So usually a non-POV character. And they're always like salty with me because like yeah. I'm killing them all the time. You know, I'm like giving them a hard time. And then, so I, I don't know. They're, they do end up being pretty quirky too because they're they're like we, we, we just hate you, Lindsay. They Lindsay, are. They're like, <laughs> why do you do these things to me? You know. <laughs> so I That's don't know. My like, characters give me a hard time. I did want to ask, cause I know you answered this like a year ago and I think the interview we did with you to start off the show, but when people, when you're doing a pre-order and you're doing these download bonuses for people who don't know, how are you, are you like having, is it all automated that they type in like, here's the proof that I bought the book or do they email you? Um, how does that process work?
2: So what I usually do is I um, I use Zapier, Zapier.com. I really need to put a t- tutorial together on that because it's not intuitive, intuit, intuitive, intuitive. There's a word there. <laughs> you were right the first time, and then you questioned yourself. <laughs> good. Um, so what I usually do is I'll create a dummy Gmail account, so like um, Shadow Profit Bonuses at Gmail.com, and then I'll go into Zapier and I'll have it. I'll set it up so that when they send their proof of purchase, so a confirmation email or a screenshot to that email address, shadowprofitbonuses at gmail.com. And don't use that, people. It's probably still turned on. <laughs> then Zapier will automatically send them a response through that account that I set up that has a link for them to download their download bonuses. Awesome. That doesn't sound too complicated. No. Automated, it's pretty easy. It's good. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. It's so... I love it. It just especially if you get like, I had like 5,000 confirmations sent in once and I was like, I just stood back and watched them come in and didn't have to do anything. Excellent. Well, I think that Andrew and I need to have dinner and
0: Joe probably needs to go to bed because we're (laughs) recording late, late for us. Um, And we have a lot more questions on pre-order. So we'll plan on doing kind of a part two. And if we think of anything else that we forgot to mention or just want to add in, we will do so. And I guess thank you for listening. Do you guys have any final thoughts before we sign off?
1: Nope. I'm all emptied out. (laughs)
0: all right well thanks everyone for listening and thank you to joshua pearson for producing the show you can find the show notes or leave a comment or question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six although all these questions came from our facebook group which is uh just search for six figure authors if um you're not there yet we're up to like almost 900 people so and then all those people who think they're going to get in even though they don't answer the questions as if they, they just—they're just, they're not fans. They're not listeners to the show. We know, so um, you can—we'll solicit questions for future topics. There, I think this was, um, hopefully, pretty helpful to you guys. So, thanks again for listening,
2: and see you later, everyone. Bye.
1: So long, everybody.